Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and happy May Mural Month. I wanted to kick it off with this first interview of the month. This week's episode features California-based muralist and business mind, Derek Diza. Not long ago, about about a month ago, I came across one of Derek's posts in a Facebook group talking about how he's getting new business and advising other artists on how they can too. Another business-minded artist looking to share industry, quote, secrets in order to help others make money with a paintbrush. Hi, I had to introduce myself and get him on the podcast because people like that are so rare, you know, like Derek and I talked on the phone for about an hour prior to this conversation about business and all the things, and another hour after we concluded the interview, (laughs) all about mentorship and murals and money. And basically, we both love the same topics. And it's so motivating for me to chat with a like-minded person, someone else who is as interested in this as I am. And I think you'll find this chat motivating too, because Derek breaks down the process of pitching and sets realistic expectations for the results that you'll get using his process. This is a the non-sexy side of running an art business because not a lot of us want to do the outreach, but his proven pitch method, it works in his business and it can work in yours too. It basically goes like this. You personalize it so you don't sound like a robot. You give credibility and you list companies you've worked for in the past. You showcase your murals. So basically just share impressive images of your work. And then you go through the process. Like what does it look like to work with you? And then set expectations. So you share what it would cost. And that's it. (laughs) So in this episode, Derek will give you examples and we'll explain a little bit more. But let me know what you think about this week's episode. All about pitching with Derek Diza. Hey guys, I'm here with Derek Diza and I'm so excited to talk to him. One about murals and but two about pitching. So he has built his business around outreach and pitching to get jobs and he's built it rather quickly and he has a lot of good information. So hi, Derek. Hi, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're located, all the things? Yeah. So I guess I'm a muralist slash creative director at this point based in Orange County, California. And I run a company called Influential Walls. So we're a group of top tier muralists that work with schools and innovative brands kind of all over. Most of our clients have been here in California, but the brand started as, it actually started before it was Influential Walls. It was a, it was a brand called Disorganized Depictions and it was my personal brand. I sold clothing and a number of other pieces of art. Like I would sell my own original art. I would sell prints. And eventually somehow I got into painting murals. Someone asked me to paint a mural in, it was actually an art expositions bathroom, which was something where I was like, okay, it sounds, that sounds fun. It was a very small, like $300 job for like four walls. But I was like, it was something I'd never done before. So I wanted to try and tackle it. And I just kind of fell in love with painting murals and had already been, I don't want to say super successful in, in clothing, but like I had at that point sold clothing to like a number of different countries. Like it was mainly because of like the TikTok blowing up, you know? 
So I was learning a lot about business, but I didn't know that much about murals, right? So I was learning a lot about art business in general. And then when murals came around, as I started to learn the nuances and techniques to like actually creating murals, I just tried to translate all my business knowledge into specifically that. I was like, I just, I want to drop everything else. I don't care about anything else. Murals are like the way to go. I love this. It's just a great way to leave impact, to connect with people. You get to talk to so many people as you're painting a mural, you know, and I just saw that it's solving more problems and like wasn't so saturated because there's so many clothing brands. I was pretty strong on the marketing and sales side. And I would get, I eventually got to this point to where I had more leads than I knew what to do with. So I couldn't fulfill all the jobs and some of them weren't stylistically like what I was looking to create anyways. So I just started kind of connecting them with some friends of mine. And I quickly realized that like some friends of mine that were specifically muralists, like had a hard time finding like a consistent flow of clients. And some of them struggled with writing contracts. Some of them didn't even use a contract. A lot of things that I just noticed where there was like this kind of gap where like there were so many, I had a lot of friends that were super talented, but they just didn't have the same like business mind, I guess, that I did. So from there, I just kind of started giving jobs to multiple artists and it kind of grew into this like collective slash mural agency that we are today. And I'm super grateful to work with all the artists I work with. They're all super, super cool, super talented. And they've all like honestly grown to become pretty good friends of mine. But that's kind of the journey in a nutshell and where we are today. Yeah, it's so interesting to me what people do before murals. I had a promo business where I had promo girls and I basically did what you're doing. I got jobs for us and we would travel all over. And then I got into the art space and then I realized specifically murals are where the money's at. And so just like you, I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. So it's really interesting to me, like how that comes about for everybody. So you did a lot of outreach. And so you still do. And so you've kind of perfected your pitch in that way. And I've always taught the social media route. Like if you put yourself out there with video, you go viral and whatnot, you, you know, you put yourself out there and then clients start coming to you. And so I've kind of got into this really spoiled area where I put so much content out and I have so many followers now that people just come to me all the time and I get to, you know, be really choosy and lazy about it. But since we talked the first time a couple weeks ago, you said you're pitching to schools and all that. I was like, okay, I want to pitch to schools or I want to do more school murals. So I took your advice and I did kind of my own pitch, but based on yours and did a bunch of outreach or I had my virtual assistant do it. And we just landed one school recently. That makes me so happy. I love that. I love hearing that. <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to echo too for so I'm gonna add be asking you a bunch of stuff about your pitching and whatnot, but just for everybody listening, it works. So you might as well just take notes and <laughs> so yeah, let's go into how do you decide who to outreach to? Because I'm doing schools, you're also doing some schools. What other kind of businesses do you outreach to? And then what is your pitching process like? Yeah, definitely. So just really quickly too, I don't want to say that like your whole approach to marketing should be predicated on one or the other, right? It shouldn't just be social media. It shouldn't be outreach. It's just inbound marketing versus outbound. So there's like inbound is when people are coming to you, right? Like you're publishing content or whatnot and people find you. And then the outbound is where you're actually finding people, right? So I don't want to say that like one is necessarily better than the other. I'm just would say that 
our process is we do a lot of outreach and it's worked extremely well for us. Like we're already booked out for this year, right? So it's like, we just constantly have jobs lined up because we do so much outreach. But that's not to say that like uploading on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, isn't beneficial. We've had people come to us because of the content that we've shared and because of hashtags we've used and stuff like that too. So don't want to discredit that. But yeah, as far as our outreach approach... Before I was doing all the outreach myself, I was doing lots of DMs and I was doing lots of emails and I was doing it to any company that I was interested in, like all these across all these different industries, right? And some people would reply, I'd get on some calls and would paint a few murals, which was cool. But we had the most success when we just started focusing on a niche. Like when you focus on a niche, and I preach this a lot, when you focus on a niche, it's it helps you build credibility among this like community, right? So if like just a couple people know about you, then they start to talk to more people and then people in the community start remembering your names. Because now it's like, we get calls from schools all the time and I'm like, unknown number, answer it, it's a school. And this can work for any niche, right? Like let's say for example, you love basketball, right? And you paint for, obviously you have to have a really strong portfolio to land clients like this, but let's just say you land a client like the Warriors and then like the Lakers and like the Celtics, right? If you can say that you've worked with three of those brands and you start reaching out to other basketball companies, it's going to be a no-brainer that they're going to want to work with you because they're going to be like, oh, he's already worked for three NBA teams. Like he's got the credibility and it's what our quote-unquote competitors are doing. And your name is probably also being dropped in those rooms, right? In the rooms where all the people in basketball are meeting up, like people are probably talking about, oh, that was a cool mural. Like where'd you get that mural done, right? So I'm really big on working in a niche. We specifically like to work with schools, tech brands, and we're trying to build out sports, actually. So we've worked with the Red Sox, super cool project. We've worked with a a brand called Accenture, which is... I didn't actually know who they were when they got on a call with us, but they're a huge brand. They have like 500,000 employees and like huge corporate buildings like all over the world. I was thinking they were like a small company because they're like, we need a live painting. And then I was like, okay, it's probably going to be a small small little deal. And then I like look at their website. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this, this brand's huge. So I was like, okay, rewiring that. But so we're trying to build out some systems working with more tech brands and sports companies. But we primarily do a lot of outreach in schools right now. But that's not, I would say I have a couple people that do stuff for me and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this, but I have a team of interns and then I have virtual assistant. Virtual assistant is always sending emails to schools. And my interns are constantly DMing companies on Instagram and LinkedIn. So they're, I basically will meet with them like once a week and I'll be like, Hey, let's hit basketball teams super hard for the next month or two. So just send DMs every day to basketball companies like Instagram. I know on Instagram, at least it only lets you send a certain amount of DMs a day. I'm pretty sure same with LinkedIn. So I just have people and my team just kind of reach out to people and given like these are interns. So I'm just, I want to reiterate that these are interns and they're not even getting paid for their work. They just want experience. They're just looking for social media experience and it's all in an exchange of value, right? So like no one's going to just work for you for free if they're just doing grunt work. Like they want to feel like they're actually doing something and you're giving them exciting things to do. So like I'm constantly trying to ask my interns like what they want out of the internship experience, like what sort of resume they're trying to build so I can equip them with those skills that they can carry on to whatever job they want or if they want to work with us for the long term, like 
kind of what skill sets they're looking to build and also understanding, can I actually give this person those skills? Because if I can't, then I probably shouldn't hire them. But if they're like, oh, I just want to learn how to like grow a social media following. I want to learn how to like generate leads. Then that's something where I'm confident saying like, I can teach you how to do that because I've done it and we've done it in the business. So what does your pitch look like in direct messages, like on, on Instagram and LinkedIn? You so say you're going for a tech company, do you look up the marketing director for the tech company? Or are you just somebody high up that works there? And what do you say? Yeah. So can I just read you a DM script that we sent? Another niche we're trying to hit is also luxury apartments. Just because... And we work within all these niches knowing that most of these companies are medium to large size companies knowing that they will have money. If you reach out to a bunch of restaurants, there's going to be a lot of restaurants that don't have a lot of money. So I think that's important to state too. But let's just say, okay, so we're reaching out to this company. Their name is Halcyon House Apartments. Okay. So this is the script that we use. Hi, Halcyon House team. Love your luxury apartments and content in your page here. I'm looking to contact the community manager at your complex. So we're specifically saying what position we're looking for. So at apartment complexes, community managers are the ones that manage what the community looks like, which typically means they're in charge of finding a muralist and pitching that muralist to like the owner. So love your luxury apartments and content on your page here. I'm looking to contact the community manager at your complex. First sentence is basically showing that we're not a bot, right? So we're actually customizing that first sentence. The following sentences are all templated. My name is Derek and I am the creative director here at Influential Walls. We are a group of muralists who paint bold pieces for innovative brands and schools. We've worked with the Red Sox, San Diego Unified, Irvine Unified, and tech brands like Accenture and more. So this is our introduction. We're talking about why we're credible in the space and a little bit about what we do. May I ask you for the community manager's email address best, Derek? So the end, and this is where a lot of people go wrong with outreach. Their last sentence isn't strong enough. It's not a call to action. Sometimes it's like, feel free to shoot me an email below, or it's um, let me know if you're interested in talking. Like, no, like, don't be passive. In this case, when you're reaching out to someone, you have to be assertive, right? When we're writing emails or when we're writing DMs, there has to be a specific call to action. So what is this person's email? Or an email, if we're emailing them, the script looks very similar. But the last sentence instead will say, are you available to get on a Zoom call with me next Monday before 5 p.m.? So it's very straightforward to what we need from them. And it's not putting the power in their hands of like, no one's going to want to like, look at the DM and be like, oh, that's their email. Now I'll go to my email and email them and figure it out. Like, Make it less steps to work with them, right? If there's more hoops for them to jump through to work with you, they're not going to want to work with you. You need to make it simple for them. So you ask them for their email address, then you email them. Okay. Pretty simple. So just simplified. You say you customize it. You say who you are and your credibility, and then you ask them to get on a call, basically. Yep, exactly that. Customization who you are, your credibility, and then typically for DMs, it's collecting an email address. So what is your email address? And then we send a very similar script to their email once we have their email address, but that's where we have a presentation attached. And the presentation goes into, like we have a PDF presentation, me and you just looked over it, but it's a PDF presentation that's, ours is seven pages. It talks about who we are, what our process looks like, what our minimum pricing is, Visual assets scattered all throughout, essentially just like who we are, what our process looks like, our pricing, 
and our portfolio, like who we've worked with. And then from there on the email, we say, can we schedule a call next week or whatever day you want to schedule a call? And it's just a numbers game. The more emails and DMs you're sending, the more calls you get. And, and I quickly realized that, which is why I was like, I want interns and I need a virtual assistant. I just want as many people in the company just like sending out emails and DMs constantly. And on top of that, like we'll upload on social media too, you know? So like as muralists, I think we all have been through dry months. I don't know if you still experience them. We still every so often will experience a dry month, but like it's pretty rare. And the other months usually make up for it because we might have like one month where it's dry and another month where there's like four or five murals. So this has helped us a lot with like getting rid of those dry months. Now I almost, I was just telling my girlfriend on the phone yesterday, I was like, I kind of want a dry month. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> drowning in work. Like I just want to have one month where I can just not be on the road and like living out of a suitcase. I love working with my artists, but it's like, I don't want to manage an artist or I don't want to like paint a mural. I paint murals too, obviously. So I'm just like, at this point, it's like, it would be nice to just have a break for like a month and just travel and like not think about work. It's, it's a good problem to have, right? It's a good problem to have. So schedule it. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to keep August completely open and just basically tell everyone, like if anyone reaches out, just be like, sorry, we're booked for August and just take a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how much are you sending out versus well, how many people are saying yes? Because just to give an idea, I probably sent, I don't know, an email to 10 different high schools and like 10 different middle schools. And it was one middle school that responded that they wanted to meet. And then there was a couple others that were like, Hey, your, your work looks great. If we need you in the future, I was like, okay, great. I'm like, that's something. But it was, so the one that I sent out, I heavily personalized it because I was familiar with the school. And so I could, but the others, I tried to personalize it. You know, I included their mascot. I was like, it looks like you're having a great baseball season or whatnot. And I'm like, I'm like, how can I personalize it? That's not just lying and saying, I've heard great things about your education system or whatever. I actually just yesterday was experimenting with chat GPT on how to personalize it per each. That's actually pretty great. Chat <laughs> um, GPT is super strong. That's a great. I tell all my interns, like, if you want to save time, just use chat GPT. Like, <laughs> it's great. It's incredible. Honestly, it's an incredible software. I guess one is how do you personalize better? How can I personalize better, really? And how can we all do it? And then again, like what, how many are you sending out versus how many yeses are you getting? I, I think that help, just helps to put it in perspective. So I was just talking to an artist who like, I sent out like 50 things and I got one call. And so she was feeling very defeated. And I'm like, I feel like that's still decent for a cold call. <laughs> well, okay. So as far as personalization goes, I want to get too caught up on the personalization. Like, our, we personalize just to show that we're not a bot. Like we're just trying to show that like this isn't spam because I will say there's a benefit to personalizing. If you really have a strong connection to this brand, you really want to work with them. I would suggest like if, if you're really, really want to work with this brand or the school or whatever organization you're working with, take the time to personalize it, but don't do that for every single person you reach out to. Cause it's just, it's going to be long winded and they might just say no. It's worth it for the big ones, right? For like the big fish where you're like, like, for example, I don't know why, but I've always wanted to work with Target. Like I love Target. I'm like, I just want to work with Target so badly. And it's like, I've reached out to so many people. I've customized so many messages. And the way I see it is like, one day it will all come back and it won't matter that I spent all that time because we will have landed Target and it'll be super cool. 
but don't get too caught up on the personalization because you don't want to waste too much time. Really for us, it's usually just a one sentence thing because once you say, if you just give a compliment to like the brand or to the person or whatever it is about something that's actually relevant to them, then they're going to be already feel like a little warm and be like, Oh, that was nice. And then, and this person's real and then they'll read the rest. Right. So I want to get too caught up on there as far as, I should know our conversion rate number a little bit better. I can't say, and it's going to vary from person to person. If you have a strong script and you send out a hundred emails, I would expect that maybe somewhere between five and 10% respond, but that doesn't mean they're going to get on a call with you, right? So I would say five to 10% will respond and from there, I would I would really say that of the 100 emails, we'll usually get one or two calls. Lady that you were saying just did 50 messages and got one call back. Like honestly, that's probably about accurate, you know. And then it's really important that on the call you're really strong. Like you have to have the right, you have to be come equipped with the right questions, and you shouldn't be doing all the talking. Your client should be doing 80% of the talking, or your prospect, I should say, should be doing 80% of the talking. You should just be asking questions. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, like that's what it is going to look like. And that's why I recommend like, don't spend too much time personalizing, right? Like get out a lot of messages. Like just if you spend an hour a day sending messages, if you could just be disciplined. And I think this is the hard part for people. It's just actually doing something consistently for an extended period of time, even if it's boring, because that's the hardest part, right? Is this is so boring. Like all I'm doing is copying and pasting things. And I'm just changing the first sentence. Yes, it's boring. But at the end of the day, that is what's going to get you more clients. And like, you have to kind of push past it, right? And like I said, if you, I can't speak for everyone, but like a virtual assistant is relatively inexpensive. Like it's very inexpensive. I will just be super transparent here. The first month we brought on a virtual assistant. I think I paid our guy 600 bucks and he brought in $26,000 worth of business. So like, you know, it's like, the trade-off is is well worth it. And it's a matter of finding a virtual assistant that's not super expensive. Like if you look in places like um, like India or the Philippines, and I hope people don't like look at this as like, oh, you're exploiting people from other countries. But like the way I see it is oh, like no. if, you're, if you're paying them a fair wage, because like we'll pay our virtual assistant somewhere between four to $6 an hour, and then we'll pay them for any call that we land. So we'll give them a bonus if they get us on a call and then we also give them a closing bonus. So if, if we close then they're also getting a closing bonus. So for them, it's like almost like salary plus bonuses. And for example, like in the Philippines, $1 is basically worth like three or four, I believe. So you're paying someone basically minimum wage, but you're giving them also these huge bonuses, right? So for them, it's like, I think that it's well worth it. And I'll, I'll also say that we only have our virtual assistant sending emails for three hours a day. It's not even like I had them working on it all day. It's just like three hours and they're getting paid in the Philippines pretty well for just sending three hours a day with how many calls that we get and stuff. But that's, I will say it's because our scripts are pretty strong and we've, we've tested a lot of scripts. We've also gone through like, okay, that's not working. Let's try this. That's not working. Let's try this. And now we just, we have a pretty strong conversion rate with our, scripts and how many emails we send. But yeah, I would say it's it's really like probably going to be you're going to get on a call per every like 50 emails, which is it doesn't sound great, but if you're able to actually get the emails out and you're actually sending emails or DMs every single day, like 
it will add up. And especially if you're working within a niche, it all compounds, right? Then people just start knowing about you. They'll be like, I've heard of this guy before. Or like, hey, I think you emailed me like a year ago or something, whatever it may be. Yeah. And really, these are jobs that, I mean, you wouldn't get if you didn't do this too. Like this is, it's the idea of spending money to make money. And I think a lot of people in the beginning, especially, they don't want to spend money because they're not making it. So they're like, well, I I can't spend money on my art if I'm not having anything come in. And it's like, sometimes the tipping point like starts with you, like start spend just, and I agree though, with a virtual assistant, I have a virtual assistant as well. She's from the Philippines. Pay her not all that much, but I also do bonuses. Also, you inspired me because you are doing this outreach for other people. And I was like, you know what? I'm home this year a lot with my baby and I have just a lot more time to just be on the phone, but not as much time to paint. <laughs> as I'm like, I, so I've picked five of my Artist Academy students that I know and I've met. They need some help on the business side. And I'm like, hey, I'll take this over for you for a hefty fee. And I promise that I will make you way more than you investing. And we're trying it out right now. And I'm going to basically be doing the business side for five members right now. And we'll see how it goes for the next couple of months. And if it goes really well, then I'm just going to, I'll do five more or 10 more or whatnot. But yeah, you've inspired me. I love that. So that's what we were saying on our last call. I was like, you have everything. You probably have all the infrastructure and you probably have your own like I, know, I already know that you have your own lead system because so you have a lot of followers. And so I know that you get a lot of eyes and views. You have a very strong platform. So you doing what you're doing, plus outreach and then like working with other artists. Like, I love to hear that. That makes me super stoked. I love it when I actually talk to artists and like they listen to the advice that I give and then they actually carry it out. There's so many people that just like, I have had people literally pay for mentorship calls and like, my time is not cheap. My mentorship calls, I usually charge anywhere from 200 to $300 per hour. So it's like, my time's not cheap. You get on a call with me, you like, you're paying money, you digest this information, then you don't put it into action. I'm like, you're just wasting both of our time. And I don't even feel right taking money from you because you didn't actually put... It just makes me really happy when I like talk to someone, they're like asking me questions and I see them do it. And then I also see them find success. And I'm sure that you will with this because... I know you're super strong on the business side and what you've built is already really impressive. So I think you bring on that is great too. And and for people like me and you, I don't know where everyone else is at. Well, I don't know where you're at. Actually, I shouldn't um, assume, but I don't want to be painting murals my whole life. Like I, I want to be doing a lot of things in the arts, which is impactful for other artists and myself. Like I want to do some of my own personal projects, but I don't want to just be stuck painting murals forever. And it's really nice to give jobs to artists who actually want to paint murals. And there's also a, a level of fulfillment that comes knowing that you are providing value to other artists too. I think that for me, like that's that's the whole... Our company is founded on two ideas, which is the, the first is to eliminate the starving artist mentality. And the second is to give back to youth. So we've worked a lot with like, in the past, we would donate a lot to foster youth. And now we're working with schools and teaching students a lot about art. But for me, it's like, that's a, such a fulfilling thing to actually help other artists. And especially when it's really hands-on the way that you're about to be with them, where you're like giving them bigger jobs. It's exciting. So I hope I hope that you can find success in it. And I also hope that you enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it also came after talking to you, I was like, you know what? You're right. Because I have a a very low cost monthly membership where I have all the tools for people that they need. But some people will join and they might watch the videos. And then even then they might take action. And I'm like, 
wait, just do, just do what I say. Just do and yeah. try over and over again. But they're like, they just want to paint and they just, they're artists. They don't have our business mind. And not every artist is excited about numbers like we are. And so I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it for you. How about that? <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. And, and to be honest, like the way I see it is I need artists just as much as they need me, you know, for what we're doing is like, I want to work with really big brands and I want to work with really cool artists. So it's like, and some of the artists don't know how to find the big brands. So it's like, we're helping each other out because I don't want to create the art. Mm -hmm. Like I just said, you know, I don't want to be painting murals forever. There's some projects that don't excite me, but I would love to see another artist take on it. So it's like, we kind of need each other. And there's, there are a good amount of artists that are like us that can see the number side and, and have the creative side. And there's other people that they're not really interested in the business side. And I'm more than confident that every artist can learn it, but there's a lot of artists that don't want to. We're here yeah. to help, right? We're here to help with them with that, whether it's giving them jobs or just providing the education to help them take those next steps. I think that building teams is really important. So like having someone that complements your skill set that can do something that you can't, or even help you just automate things. Like if you're just wearing too many hats, that's why we have our virtual assistants and whatnot, right? It's just helping us do the things that we're like, we only have 24 hours in the day and you have a whole family life that you have to cater to too. So it's like, there's only so much we can do. So at some point, I think it's really important for every artist to have a team once they get to that point, once they get to the point to where they can have a team, it just makes life a lot easier and you don't for feel sure. lonely. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is very lonely. Yeah. And it's just nice to talk to people that get it. When we first had our first conversation a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, we're going to be good friends. <laughs> so I do have a question. So email outreach compared to DM on Instagram and whatnot, which is usually more effective? Okay. So the most effective outreach is directly to a person. Instead of going to like, if you're, it's hard to say, but like, if you're saying like, like if I'm doing an email outreach to info at apple.com mm -hmm. versus to mark at apple.com like you know you're talking to a real person if you're sending to somewhere generic like it's not the chances of it being pushed through to a real person and then them reaching out to you it happens it does happen i won't say that it doesn't because it has happened for us and it's turned into jobs but it's a lot more likely that something will happen if you're reaching out directly to a person so it's hard to say like email versus DM because, because the point of the DMs is to collect the email, right? So like when we get a DM, it's not like we're closing a deal in the DMs. We're like just getting the email so we can close everything via email and on the, and on the phone. So it's hard to say, but what I would say is we're still experimenting with this right now. Like LinkedIn is kind of a newer platform that we're starting to send more messages on, but I have a feeling that LinkedIn is going to be a lot stronger than Instagram. Because we're communicating directly to a person. We can actually look them up by job title. So we can look up community managers in luxury apartments. Or we can look up like retail experience directors for places that have physical retail locations. right? Like If you look up retail experience director for Nike or Adidas, like you will be able to find the person that actually manages what the stores look like. So depending on like what niche you're in, you kind of have to do a little bit of digging to figure out like what that job title is. And then once you have that job title, you can pass it on to a virtual assistant or to an intern, or you can do it yourself and go on LinkedIn and find that job title for the brands you want to work with or the niche you want to work in and just start hitting people up. But I will say in LinkedIn, it does definitely have to be a lot more personalized than anywhere else because you are reaching out to a person. LinkedIn is full of spammers and like full of bots. So it's really important that you don't come off as a bot. 
and you're coming off with very personal touches in all of your your messages for sure. Even just myself, I get so many bots reaching out to me each day or like something that's completely automated where it's like, we can help you with sales or lead gen. And I get like too many, too many of those messages. Yeah. So even on LinkedIn, it's like people want to get me into some group that has absolutely nothing to do with art. And I'm like, what are you talking? No, I, I just don't even respond to those. So yeah, yeah, keeping it personalized. I think one thing that I'm realizing too, as I'm reaching out to schools, the one that I did land, it they had just moved into a new location. And so they had the opportunity, they had a need for a mural. Whereas the other ones that I reached out to, maybe didn't have that need yet. But maybe if I follow back up again in a year or whatnot, is the need there then? So I think it's like just getting the outreach, but also finding the need of it. Like, do they actually need my mural services? So it's not like, because I think a lot of artists reach out and they feel very rejected as like, oh, they, they don't want to work with me. They don't like it. And it's like, no, no, maybe just like the need isn't there. Like they, they don't need art right now. They, they need to focus on sports in school or whatever. Yeah. Of all the people like you touch base with or that see your artwork or whatnot, there's only going to be a very small percentage that is actually in the market to buy. Like people, a lot of people are just interested. For example, if we get on a call, the first question I always ask on a call, even if we're doing outreach, is why are you on the call with me today? Or I say, how can I help you? It switches the script to make it look like they need something from me rather than I need something from them. So I always ask that question. It's, you know, how can I help you out? And point being is when we're doing some sort of outreach or whatnot and people are on the phone with us, it's all about them. And it's not necessarily just about us. And if someone says on the call... I'm just trying to get some ideas or like figure out a little bit of like what you guys do. That call is probably not going to close. And you, like you should you should know that like that call is not going to close and you shouldn't try to push the sale. Like you shouldn't try to push them to buying from you if they're like, oh, I'm just trying to learn. Like the calls that close are when people get on the phone, they're like, oh yeah, we've been looking for a muralist for a couple months. Or they say something like, yeah, we've really needed to do something with this space or like someone like we got on a call with a luxury apartment that was like, yeah, we're getting tagged all the time. We want art to prevent the tagging. And like, can you guys do an anti-graffiti coat? We're like, yes. So those calls where someone's coming to you with like a timeline or with a need or saying they've been looking for something, um, are most much more likely to close. So like you can't, and you can't expect every call to be like that. There's going to be some calls where people are like, oh yeah, I'm just interested in hearing what you have to say. And to be honest, I would say that 80% of those calls are just time wasters. So I try to keep those calls pretty brief because <laughs> it's like, I know this isn't going to work. They're probably not going to reach out to me. You may forget about me. You may not. They may not. They may actually come back and buy from you. But if they're just like, yeah, just interested in learning more, that's like, there's no way that person's going to buy from you at the end of the call. They, you know, like usually the clients that we close are the ones that are in the market. So it's important to understand that. And like, I also think that it's really important for artists to get used to rejection. You have to get used to hearing no. It's like, if you get too used to, if you just let it debilitate you when you hear no, you're in for very hard career as an artist. You just got to push past rejection and keep going. Like I said earlier on the call, like, the more no's you collect, the more yeses you collect. Yeah. Yeah. We had, so there's a question right here. I'm trying to figure out what they're saying exactly, but could you say to the people who are saying, you know, I'm just seeing what you have to offer. They asked, could you say, so it sounds like you might have a need. Can you tell me what that is? Is that a good response as they're asking? Or are you just kind of, you just want to inform them and say, 
I mean, you could ask the question. It doesn't hurt to ask the question, but I think it could benefit to ask the question, I guess. If someone says, like, oh, I'm just looking to learn learn more and you say, well, are there any immediate needs in terms of art, graphic design or marketing that you may have? Like that could open doors. I just wouldn't expect that the answer would be yes. I would probably expect that the answer is going to be, no, I'm just interested in learning more. That's usually how it always goes. But I wouldn't necessarily discourage that question because it could open doors. So I would say that you could ask that question. But like I said, more times than not, they're usually not going to buy if they're like, I just want to learn more. Okay. And the follow-up. So say I send an email to a school principal. Do you follow up on that with the principal or do you follow up with the school counselor? Do you do follow-up after you send one email and you don't get any kind of response? Yeah. So if there's no response, yes, I would recommend sending a follow-up. There's research to show that it could take as many as eight follow-ups sometimes. And I'm sure that you've seen this with clients too, where they're in the decision-making stage rather than like they're just learning about you stage. They're in the decision-making stage. They're almost ready to buy. And then they ghost you and then you reach out to them and they reply. And they're like, oh yeah, we're still thinking about it. We're still working on the paperwork. And then they're, you're waiting and you hit them up again. And then eventually they close. You should have follow-ups. I would say follow-up every week or two weeks. You should have some sort of system that allows you to track emails. I mean, you could do it in a spreadsheet. We use something called HubSpot. HubSpot is a really good tool for us. There's expensive versions of HubSpot and free version of HubSpot. I think right now we're just using the free version. HubSpot, we mainly use just for templates because you can, for emails, you can just click template and then we'll say, for example, like schools, right? We'll click templates, school template. It populates the whole email. And then we just change the first sentence or like a word in the first sentence. So having a software to help you track is useful. Everyone likes to use different softwares, but yeah, I would say that a follow-up is pretty important. Okay. Basically like on the third or fourth follow-up. So say they haven't responded to you. And so you're emailing them four times with no response. Are you just like, do you do that? Do you keep emailing them with no response? Or do you eventually say, hey, if you're not interested, let me know. Okay. So I will say we don't reach out past three times, but that's not to say that it doesn't work after three times. Because like I said, some people, there's research that shows that some people will close after you see their name eight times, right? So you could, and I will say this, there's a lot of big companies that I'm subscribed to or have like been in contact with via email that have tried to sell me services, right? And they continually keep emailing me and I don't unsubscribe, I just delete it, right? But maybe one day I will actually buy their product because I will need it. So like that being said, if you have a system where you can actually repetitively email someone and like, because let's think of it realistically, like what's the worst that's going to happen? they're just going to say no. Right. So like you could realistically bother someone for as long as, as long as you want. We usually stop at three, but I don't know if they're automated or not, but I get emails from people saying like, Hey, reached out to you a few times. I realize you haven't replied. Is this something that you're interested in? If not, I'm happy to stop emailing you. And I think that there's a certain amount of respect that's being showed when you say something like that, you know, when you're saying like, if I'm annoying you, I'll stop. But we usually stop after three, but that's not to say that you necessarily should. That's just kind of what we've been doing. So I can't speak to say that like, yes, we've emailed people 14 times, then it works after the, on the 15th email. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All good to know. I'm new to the whole outreach thing. Usually, I mean, we're such a small town here. I, the first, how I got my first ones, I literally took a flyer around our downtown area. It was like, hi, I'm a muralist. You have a blank wall. Do you want to talk about (laughs) ways to fill it? (laughs) Like we're just so like, there's so many mom and pop stores here. So I'm like, 
but I'm excited. I'm starting to, there's a couple of the students that I'm helping. There's one that's close to New York, New Jersey, St. Louis, so like much bigger cities than here. And I'm, I'm excited to try new things and reach out to different niches and whatnot. But yeah. So I guess to wrap this up, what's on the horizons for you? Are you thinking about coaching still? Or are you wanting to do the mentor thing for more artists or? Yeah, definitely. So I do like one-on-one coaching, but I do want to build out like, I would like to build out more educational courses for artists because especially like getting to know you and seeing what you're doing. I'm like, I'm really proud of what we're doing in like the school systems and what we're doing with the artists that we immediately work with. But I see what you're doing. I'm like, wow, we could, we could do this for like all sorts of artists all over the world. It's just really being able to create that system. So like I said, right now we are books for the year with lots of murals. So we have a lot of exciting projects coming but I do want to try to set aside some time this summer to start putting together those courses or some sort of platform where we're really providing education to artists like outside of like what we're doing on just uploading to Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. So that is definitely something that's on the horizon for us. I just don't know realistically when we're going to launch everything, but it is in the works. Been talking about it for a long time. At this point, it's finding the right infrastructure to build out the courses or subscription or whatever it is to be able to continually work with artists and, you know, help them build their careers. So yeah, as far as the horizon goes, lots of murals and more education in the future in some way, shape or form, hopefully on our own platform, doing some sort of courses or something like that. I would love to do that and work with artists a little more hands-on. Yeah. In your spare time, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. So yeah, everybody give Derek a follow on in Instagram and Facebook and all and LinkedIn and all the things. I'll link <laughs> all of his stuff. And <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I think you've really helped to just clarify the pitching process for me even a lot more and to ever, for everybody who's, who's listening. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. And if you like hearing interviews, just like this in your ear, if they inspire you, then I want to encourage you to go download the audible version of my new book, Mural Money. It's a condensed version of basically all of the best of the best tips given here on the podcast from guests, plus my own words of wisdom to help you get started in any art industry, plus stories of some hard lessons learned that I have never told before. You can pick up a copy at muralmoney.com. And again, I highly recommend the Audible version. I put a lot of tender love and care to make sure the Audible was extra special. It had some extra goodness in there. And it's really for any artist, but especially those wanting to make a profit from a paintbrush. Muralmoney.com. That's it. I'll see you next week.